This is it right here. Combining a team of reporters, columnists, and commentators. Don't you ever talk about me! Are you serious? Jack Ebling has brought thought-provoking discussion. What are you doing? That's a damn coaching mistake. Opinion. The customer is the one who decides when the future gets here. Oh, no! The ship is on fire! You have to check the report. Are you kidding me? That game was fixed. And overall infotainment. I'll take Jim Harbaugh. What has he done? Crazy Cooter coming at you. <laughs> Quiet, please. In exactly 15 seconds, we'll be on the air. Thanks, big fella. Don't you ever come back here again. No arguments. Those are called ass tunes. So buckle up. You talking to me? No! It's time for The Drive with Jack Ebling. Yeah, for some reason or another... You sound a little taller on radio. Great afternoon, Mid-Michigan and beyond, and welcome to The Drive with Jack, the Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Ebling here with my producer, Boston Rob, on another frosty Friday, 18 degrees here in Mid-Michigan. A lot of people excited about some other ice. That is the ice at Munn Arena tonight. Michigan in town to play Michigan State and can't remember a Michigan State home hockey game. Had more people buzzing about it. Just had Michigan State basketball, a pair of wins for the women and the men. It wasn't always pretty, but they got it done last night against Minnesota. And, of course, Sunday, Detroit Lions hosting their second playoff game in a week and their second playoff game in 32 seasons. 30 seasons, excuse me. Uh, got their first postseason win in 32 seasons last week with the decision over the Rams by one point and now the Tampa Bay Bucks are in town. Rob, let's go out to our guest line. Very happy to welcome in a guy who knows all about the Detroit Lions and the city of Detroit. We're going to go all the way to New York to talk to him. Bring in our good buddy Ryan Field. Ryan, how are you? Jack Ebling, happy Friday to you, my friend. <laughs> what were you thinking? Last Sunday, watching Matthew Stafford with the ball in his hand, Rams trailing by a point late in the fourth quarter, and I don't know what would have happened if he'd thrown a touchdown pass. There would have been a lot of suicides in southeastern Michigan. Well, listen, I was at the game. Uh, I was able to finagle some things with my schedule, and uh, I was not going to miss their first home playoff game in 30 years. So uh, I was one of the uh, 65,000-plus strong in attendance and I can tell you there were a lot of nervous folks, uh, myself chief, chief among them, in the waning minutes of that game. Uh, you know, you watch that team your whole life, and you're always uh, waiting uh, with impending doom, if you will. Yeah, and yeah. you kind of had a feeling that that's the way this was going to go, and, you know, it, it would have hurt even more to, you know, have a guy like Matthew Stafford, a guy who's delivered so many good moments to Lions fans right, over the years, right. could never get him over the hump. But if he was the guy that ultimately delivered the dagger to end their season, that would have been a tough pill to swallow. Uh, but instead, listen, if we needed any further proof that this team is different, uh, you saw it at the end of that game. They, they made the yeah. stops. They ran out the clock. And uh, I remember tweeting in the waning moments, I'm like, so this is what playoff football feels like. I mean, we, we've basically gone an entire generation and then some without knowing what it feels like to win a playoff game. And, uh, you know, obviously my, uh, my profession is to talk about sports for a living, but uh, when it comes to uh, my beloved Detroit teams, I do not lose sight of what it feels like to be a fan. And it was, uh, it was, it was something else to be there in that, uh, in that stadium on Sunday night. Ryan Field, a proud Michigander, and 
to be where you were when we watched the game in the media, you know, we're up on that seventh level. And for some people, the game is a rumor. But where were you? You weren't in the box. You were down in the stand somewhere, right? Yeah, yeah. I had actually paid tickets, uh, bought tickets like a normal normal civilian. I forgot what that feels like when you're used to going to games with uh, media passes. But, uh, but yeah, that, that, was, that was a tough ticket. And uh, I went with one of my best friends from back home, another lifelong Lions fan. And uh, there was no way we were going to miss that game. So it was, uh, it, it was very special to be there. And the thing that I can't wrap my head around, and uh, I, I've been thinking about it a lot this week, uh, in, they had one playoff win in 65 years if you really think about it. One playoff win in 65 years, and now in a span of eight days, they could have two, (laughs) which is just (laughs) mind-blowing when you think about it, that they're going to they double their total from the last 65 years in a span of eight days. Uh, It's really crazy, and I think that's why a lot of folks, uh, myself included, are still trying to tread carefully with all this, because I think a lot of people don't know how to how to respond right, to this right. situation. You know, we, we are very much in uncharted territory uh, as a Detroit Lions fan base. With that kickoff last Sunday, just after 8 o'clock, Ryan, and uh, when this game, this 3 o'clock kick will end, uh, it will be less than seven calendar days by about an hour and a half if the Lions pull this off from 8 o'clock Sunday night to about 6.30 Sunday night. And uh, no one could ever have seen that coming. But what's different about this team besides biting off kneecaps and a head coach who gambles for it every chance he can? Yeah, I mean, listen, there, there's definitely a certain demeanor that comes with this team, and you can tell by watching them they're very tough. and uh, They respond well to mistakes. They respond well to success. Uh, they did not lose two in a row all season. Uh, and I think that they've been kind of have this even keelness about them, which if you go back to any championship caliber team in any sport, uh, a team that is successful has to handle success as well as failure the same. And I think they've done a good job of doing that. Uh, bigger picture, they have an owner that actually knows what they're doing, and Sheila Hamp, which you could argue uh, under William Clay Ford's tenure, uh, they had a lot of uh, head-scratching decisions from a hiring and firing standpoint. Uh, they have a GM who knows what he's doing, who can actually put together a competent draft. Um, you know, we, we weren't asking for much, Jack, as a fan base. You're just asking for some competency, <laughs> and they finally have it. And it's, it's amazing what that yeah. can do for you. And they're, they're, they're pointed in the right direction. And the thing I like about it, uh, one of the players, I think, said it the other day, is that this team is built for, you know, long-term success. This yes. isn't like a flash Sustained. in the pan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're a yeah. very young yeah. team. Uh, and they've built this thing the right way, and this is a team that you know conceivably, you know, health notwithstanding, could be uh, contenders for years to come. And you know, if you're a Lions fan and growing up in Metro Detroit and been through all the the heartache with this team over the years and the decades, if you will, you you really have to enjoy uh, seeing the fruits of all of this kind of come together. The bar was indeed low, Ryan, uh, for <laughs> success in Detroit, and. As someone who saw the 57 championship games, first football game I ever saw, was my sixth birthday present. And then covering the win over Dallas in January of 92, I didn't get to go Sunday because we were doing our television show. But I will be there this Sunday. We're actually going to do press pass there. So looking forward to it. And uh, from everyone I talked to who did not have earplugs, 
it was the loudest environment that they've ever seen for an event in Detroit. Yeah, and I think the great Peter King, who's been covering the NFL for Sports Illustrated and you know various platforms for the last 40 years, uh, considered yeah. to be one of the, the best and most prominent uh, NFL insiders, if you will, in the game today, um, yeah. said this was one of the top five environments he's experienced in 40 years covering the NFL. Uh, and that and that tells you all you need to know. And I've uh, I've been in a, a number of stadiums and for a number of events. And you know, Dan Campbell hit the nail on the head. I was in the arena. I was in the stadium an hour before kickoff, and the building was humming. You could you could certainly feel the electricity and the anticipation of a game that, frankly, was thirty years in the making. And people were just so juiced up and jacked up for this game that, you know, you just heard it. It was what it ended up being, the fourth loudest game in NFL history based on the decibels that they measure. So, I mean, that tells you all you need to know. And I guess if you're looking at this from the flip side, you hope that there's no uh, emotional hangover, if you will, um, coming into this game on Sunday because, you know, now you could argue the football gods even things out after that loss against Dallas. The Cowboys get bounced in the first round. And, you know, now they get to host another playoff game, and you hope it's the same juice. Um, the same environment that we saw this past Sunday because they're going to need it against a very uh, suddenly tough Buccaneers team. Ryan, uh, we saw Steve Eiserman skate around the ice at Joe Louis Arena with the Stanley Cup. Uh, we saw the Detroit Pistons, the bad boys, celebrate uh, uh, championships and then uh, going to work gang. Uh, we've seen Miguel, Miguel Cabrera's farewell. Uh, championships there in 68 and 84, but the only game, individual game, that I'd say maybe left fans with as strong a set of emotions, uh, and not because of honoring someone, but just because of the relevance of the game and how involved they were, was when Claude Lemieux came back to Detroit and Darren McCarty beat the snot out of Yeah, I I I don't know if you're going to ask me if you're asking me a question. Does, does that make sense uh, to you? Yes, it absolutely does. And uh, that was a different type of crowd that night. There was a lot of animosity and venom, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it was an equally juiced up crowd. This crowd was juiced up uh, for a different reason. And you know, I I, I hope that we see the same thing. Uh, come this Sunday, and you know, to, to kind of piggyback off your point, when you talk about you know the titles that were won, we've seen the Wings win, we've seen the Pistons win three times. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can remember the Tigers winning in '84. Uh, you know, I wasn't around in '68, but you know, they've won a couple times uh, in the last 60 years. Um, you just wonder, you know, what it would. We'd always joked about like what it would be like if the Lions were to ever yeah. win the Super Bowl. Would hell freeze yeah. over? Would the world come to an end? Like you know, you joke around about it, but you know, it, it's crazy to think that here they are, two games away from making it to the big game. And who's to say the Packers can't go into San Francisco on Saturday, especially the way they look to get Dallas and knock off the Cowboys and or knock off the Forty ers I should say. And then all of a sudden, you're hosting the NFC Championship game and. Uh, right. You know, in between that and like the, the knock on wood, the Lions have had very good fortune with health this season. Um, I mean, they're basically fully healthy coming into this game outside of Khalif yeah. Raymond, who they just announced isn't going to play, but he's a you know a backup receiver slash punt returner. But you got all right. the starters on deck. You're getting James Houston back, and in a league that is so much built on attrition in terms of who can withstand all the injuries, 
Right. You know, the Lions are coming into this thing fully healthy, and, you know, you have to have a lot of good fortune to go your way to be at that point this at this point in the season. And who's to say that this isn't going to end in a Super Bowl championship ultimately? <laughs> and, what, you know, I'll be back on your radio show in three weeks, and we'll be yeah. sitting there uh, trying to decipher how the hell this happened. And, <laughs> you know, strange, stranger things have happened. So, uh, who's to say they're not going to ride this pixie dust, if you will, and go ahead and win the whole damn thing at this point? Ryan, uh, they always say you got to play them one at a time. Coaches preach that. And the uh, Lions are not going to just walk out there and have Tampa say, okay, you win. Uh, then they're going to either have to beat a Green Bay team that beat them on Thanksgiving Day or a 49ers team that most people consider still to be the strongest in the NFC. But if those things happen, if those things happen, and the Lions are in Las Vegas, I've been asking people (laughs) about what would they do. And I've had two primary reactions. One is, which bank do I rob? Uh, (laughs) uh, The the ticket prices are scary. You you can't do it. You can't do it as much as you want to do it. And the other people say, you know, I'm this old. What the hell? Uh, I don't care how much it costs. This is a bucket list item. When you suffer for 65 years, uh, you can kind of put the price and put it over all that time, and it's not that much per season. I uh, I tend to be with the latter group. I mean, it's one of those things where, I mean... I'm 46 years old, and I never thought we'd even be having this conversation, if I'm being honest. Uh, but yeah. here we are talking about it, and I think um, I think yeah. if you have the financial means, and uh, God willing, a lot of people do, to go ahead and make that happen, I think they should absolutely do it, because this may be something that, uh, you know, this might be a Haley's Comet once every, once every 70-plus years type thing right. that uh, we, we see happening, so... Um, but I can certainly see both sides of it. I mean, there's something to be said about watching the party at a party with a bunch of your good friends and enjoying a few drinks and a good time and hopefully seeing a big win. But um, I don't know. I, I guess it, the, the fan in me says you do whatever it takes to make it happen, even if you have to drive to Las Vegas and stay in Reno because you can't get a hotel yeah. and you drive down the day of the game just to be there. I mean, I think um, I think a lot of people, the more if, if it actually did get to that point here in the next couple weeks, uh, I think a lot of people would kind of take that mindset and just say, screw it, let's go. Let's do whatever it takes to make it happen. We're talking with Ryan Field, the sports director of WABC in New York, the largest affiliate station in the country. And, of course, you know him for his work. Uh, basically cut his teeth here in mid-Michigan and then on to Detroit. Uh, tremendous work with uh, Fox Sports Detroit, Channel 2, and and then uh, out to Fox Sports 1. Now back in New York, and Ryan, I was thinking of all the people who would enjoy a win, you'd be pretty high on that list because for all the people in New York who can be smug about success and look down their nose at Detroit, it would be nice for you to be able to say, yeah, you know, we're the best. Maybe you'll get there someday. (laughs) Yeah, man. I mean, I I texted it. I should say I tweeted about it or I posted on X. You can't even say tweeted anymore. Right, uh, I posted right. on X about just the outpouring of texts and emails and conversations I've had, people coming up and congratulating me 
acting like I'm the quarterback of the Detroit Lions, uh, <laughs> congratulating me on this win. Like, holy hell, man, you finally pulled it off. And it's just, you yeah. know, it's nice to kind of see that side of people. And, Jack, yeah. when that when that final buzzer sounded on Sunday, I mean, when I tell you yeah. I was getting texts from people that I haven't talked to in 10 years, that is not a joke. Yeah. I mean, people were coming out of the woodwork. Uh, people just couldn't believe that they finally did it. And, you know, I think – I think whether you're friends or family or coworkers, I mean, people, you know, they want to see you have uh, some sort of happiness or success, whether it's in your personal life. But in this case, if yeah. they know that you've been following a team that has been so inept your whole adult life, basically not even your whole adult life, your whole life, uh, you know, to see them finally do something. I mean, people can't help but be excited for you. Um, you know, and especially a lot of people, including myself, are kind of going through this the first time. Uh, you know, having a chance to go ahead and make the Super Bowl, uh, you know, when when they when they were there in '92, to your point, when they had a chance to go and beat the Redskins and go to the Super Bowl, you know, that team at that point was kind of in a similar position. They were younger. They had yeah, Barry yeah. Sanders in his third year, and you're thinking, okay, they had a young yeah. Herman Moore. You're thinking, okay, you know, this is the beginning of a of a right. run here. They're going to be this, right. they're going to be back in no time. I mean, little you didn't think it was going to be 32 years before they won another playoff game. Nobody would have thought that. So I guess it just goes to your point that you never know. Success can be fickle in this league, uh, and you got to if they do somehow make the Super Bowl, I think you got to pull out all the stops to find a way to make it to Las Vegas. All right, Ryan, going from the sublime to the ridiculous, we have to talk for just a minute about the Detroit Pistons and what they do. They are on pace at the midpoint of the NBA season to finish eight and seventy-four. That would be. The worst season since pro basketball began. Uh, how disappointed are you? Did you think that this season would be uh, demonstrably better? And what do they do now? Yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody um, from the owner on down is shocked at how this unfolded. And, you know, they were kind of dealt a bad break right out of the gate when you had Bogdanovich miss basically the first month and a half. Monte Morris still hasn't played. And for a team that has so many guys that are 23 and younger, you know, your two key vets uh, that you were counting on contributions from uh, were non-existent the first six to eight weeks of the season. And then Monte Morris, who is still not, hasn't played yet, who was, you know, you talk to NBA people, he was the best backup point guard in the NBA last year. So it's not like yeah. he was some guy that fills out the rotation as the 11th or 12th man. He was a guy they were counting on to head their second unit. And for a team that's so young and struggled with turnovers – you know, you were counting on him to be a guy to kind of help you out. Um, so, you know, not that that's an excuse, but that's just the reality of the situation. They were definitely dealt a bad hand, and I think their young players have not gotten better. Um, I think Killian Hayes has been uh, a bust of a draft pick. If they could do it all over, they'd take Tyrese Halliburton in a second, which I thought they Ooh, should have done three yeah, years ago, yeah. um, which still stings to this day. Uh, they took a flyer uh, on Killian Hayes and got burned by it. Uh, as opposed to passing up when they passed up the uh, more proven Halliburton. Um, you know, and listen, Monte, uh, Monty Williams, you can definitely question a lot of what he's done, too. I mean, this guy was yeah. the NBA coach of the year a couple years ago, but some of his decision-making in terms of what they've done with Jaden Ivey, and then finally it took him all these games to let Jaden Ivey be Jaden Ivey, and all of a sudden the guy drops 32 points the other night, and you're like, well, where the hell has this been? You know, it's like right. he, that he, they should have let the handcuffs off of him a long time ago, um, so I, I just think it's one of those situations, Jack, where anything that could go wrong has gone wrong. I think you're going to see a couple more trades similar to the ones. Nothing earth-shattering, but 
maybe a little uh, uh, something around the margins, bringing a couple more vets. I think they trade Bogdanovich. I think they trade Alec Burks. Um, you know, and I think they try to maybe get another draft pick or two and maybe another wing player that can be part of the core going forward. But, you know, with Jaden Ivey and Duran and Osar Thompson and Cage, you got four good young building blocks there. Uh, so right. all hope is not all hope is not lost, but it's certainly disappointing where you're talking about a team that was supposed to be competing for at least a play in spot this season to yeah. have four wins here at the halfway point is just absolutely uh inconceivable, really. Well they're in it. For the long haul with Monty Williams with that contract. Yes, sir, uh, they are. They don't even yes, talk sir, about him are. cashing checks because they have direct deposit, and he's a beneficiary <laughs> of that. Talking with Ryan Field, of course, from WABC in New York after a terrific career here in the state of Michigan and nationally, and Jim Leland going into the Hall of Fame, and uh, I hope you still have one of those uh, food-stained Sport jackets or something that uh, I'm sure. Several ties with uh, some steak and chicken (laughs) shrapnel stained onto them, courtesy of uh, the Hall of Famer Jim Leland. Last thing for you, Ryan. Uh, Last time I saw you, actually, we were in New York. It was uh, Sweet 16 and Michigan State basketball there. We had a great night. Rob, I tell you, when you go out on the town with Ryan Field, it's like, uh, you know, you're with the mayor. It's like uh, being back with Mickey Mantle and those guys back <laughs> in the, the Tut Shore days. <laughs> but uh, what's your take on what you've seen so far with Jonathan Smith? We heard from him yesterday. Uh, he's as serious as a heart attack. And uh, he is determined to make this thing happen and happen at warp speed. Michigan State basketball trying to turn it around. And uh, Michigan State hockey back where it hasn't been in more than 20 years as far as being a a national championship force and uh, first in the Big Ten. So what's your take on what's happening here in East Lansing? Well, first off, my liver still hasn't recovered from a night out with you at Tanner Smith's at one of the finest Irish bars in town. Uh, that was that was damn near a year ago, and I still think I'm feeling that night. But we had uh, we had a good time. And I think it was you who said that Michigan State's a hockey school now. Is that is that true, yes. Jack? Is that all your uh, absolutely. yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, listen, I'm excited to see the progress with the hockey team, and it's a big game, big big weekend at Mun, and uh, I'm excited for those guys. But listen. Given where the football program was a few months ago and with everything that happened with Tucker, I don't think Michigan State could have done any better than what they did. And everything that I've read, um, you know, they basically got the best coach who was available uh, for that program. And you can certainly, I certainly like the coaching hires that he's made and the portal additions and the recruiting that he's done already. And he, he, he brings, I think the best way to put it is a steadying presence uh, to a program that certainly needed it. Uh, definitely has a little uh, Mark D'Antonio to him in terms of uh, his persona, and I think uh, yeah, I think yeah. I think the program is going to be in good hands here going forward. And I think, uh, given where this team was uh, back in the fall, I think that's all uh, any Michigan State Spartan fan could hope for at this point. And I can tell you uh, unequivocally, you know, uh, looking forward to seeing Aiden Childs and, and seeing how this yeah. offense is going to run. I mean, you, you know Michigan State football a lot better than I do, my friend, but I, I don't ever remember Michigan State having a quarterback no. that like this no. kid that can actually run. I mean, Drew Stanton was more of like a scamper kind of guy, yeah. Uh, yeah. not a guy that's going to run out and run 30, 40 yards down the field uh, effortlessly uh, like this kid can. And, you know, they have a multi-dimensional quarterback for the first time uh, since I've been associated with the school. 
So uh, I'm certainly excited for the fall and to see uh, how the team is going to look. When you think of what Justin Fields was like when he left Georgia and first showed up at Ohio State, not the finished product, but that's where Aiden Childs is now. And last night he was in the basketball locker room after the game, uh, he and his mother, and he was in the zone last night. I mean, he stood out. Uh, it was amazing to see everybody around him celebrating with him and him high-fiving when Tyson Walker finally caught fire. So uh, he is fully becoming part of the Michigan State scene. Uh, last thing, Ryan, I need a score for you for Sunday. What do you see? Oh, man. Uh, well, first off, it's nice to see that Childs has uh, ingratiated himself with the program, yes. and I know he's already yes. enrolled, so I think that's all that's all good stuff, and I think they're going to be in for a, a fun fall here at Spartan Stadium. But I'm going to go ahead and go, uh, let's go Lions 27, Bucks 23 uh, for Sunday. They're going to Bucks okay. cover the spread, but the Lions win. Okay, well, kind of what you said, Rob. Uh, the Lions would win, and your Bucks would, would cover the spread. And, and, Ryan, it's good to know that because – now that I know the score, I can go ahead and pre-tape some things. Well, and you can go ahead and make that uh, Vegas bet, and then that once you win, that'll pay for your Super Bowl tickets, Jack. See? We got it all uh, figured out for you. <laughs> Ryan Field from WABC in New York. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be right back with Colton Pouncey from The Athletic talking about the game Sunday afternoon. To everyone who wants a meal made just for you, let our team member Arish share what makes Culver's special. We know the best meals are the ones shared with the people you love, like our cooked-to-order butter burgers and our real Wisconsin cheese curds. And there's no better way to treat yourself than our creamy, fresh, frozen custard. I put the same care into your meal that I would for my own family. Come to Culver's for a meal made the Wisconsin way. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with love, welcome to Delicious. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers, four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Hey, Spartan fans, when you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear, Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store, or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. 
Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to DeanJobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn-out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Meadowar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. Jack Epling here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemos. Matt, tell us about this big clothing drive we got going. Yeah, we're excited, Jack. We got a pickup truck parked on the showroom floor. We're hoping to fill the back of it up with coats, hats, scarves, boots, blankets, and even underwear and socks. All the benefit the people at Crystal Ray. You got it. We're excited, and thanks for the support. Stop and see Matt and the gang here at Graph of Okemos and help make mid-Michigan a better place. To everyone who craves a handcrafted treat, let our team member Sephora tell you about a Culver's favorite. We make our thick and creamy fresh frozen custard in small batches all throughout the day. And we mean all day, every day. From our supremely rich shakes and concrete mixers to our freshly scooped dishes and cones, we handcraft every bite to pure perfection. Come to Culver's and get a taste of our fresh frozen custard. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with with love, welcome to Delicious. Hey, Spartan fans, when you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear. Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store. Or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. Welcome back. It is the Drive with Jack, the Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Ebling here with my producer, Boston Rob. Rob, let's go right out to our guest line. Talking Detroit Lions with Michigan's Sports Writer of the Year, yet again, for time, for Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press. Dave, first of all, congratulations on that. Not that you've had much much time to celebrate. You've been a little busy. (laughs) Yeah, it's been quite the uh, quite the week here, but no, I appreciate that, Jack. It's uh, you know always an, an honor to be uh, even considered for that. But uh, hey, man, the Lions are uh, they're the talk of the town right now, and that was quite the environment last week for that uh, that win <laughs> over the Rams. Expect expect it to be even better if that's possible on Sunday. 
Have you been in a louder stadium? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, for a long time, I, I thought probably the loudest game I was was ever at was, um, you know, the the Lions at that 2011 Monday Night game when the Bears had the nine false start penalties. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, yeah. when the Lions played that playoff game at the Superdome, um, 2011, I think it was that that was loud too. I mean, that, that's a that's an extremely loud place, but. You know, from the time I walked into Ford Field last week, you know, I kind of ran into an accident, some accident traffic and got there later than I usually do, but about an hour and 15 minutes before the game, maybe really until the final buzzer, it was it was bonkers. So it was that's a tough environment to match. So why did the Lions win that game, Dave? We saw the Rams had an edge in total offense, looked like it had some momentum. You could say maybe had a slight edge in the second half. What was it about Detroit that has them in the second round of playoffs? Yeah, I mean, um, ultimately, because I thought you're right, Stafford played well, and you know the the Rams did some good things. But ultimately, it came down to the red zone. The Rams were 0 for three; they settled for three field goals there. The yeah. the Lions, uh, you know, they capitalized. That was the difference. And you know, at the very end of the game, obviously, that third and four costly holding penalty that Aiden Hutchinson drew. Um, you know, that, that made a difference. When and The crowd, let's give them credit too, Jack, because they didn't have two timeouts to stop the clock with because yeah. they had to use them earlier in the second half. So um, it's ultimately, uh, you know, there are a lot of different reasons, but, you know, if I had to pick one, the, the thing on the field that made the most difference was the way that defense played inside the red zone because they gave up some big plays, but then once that, that field got condensed, they did a really good job. Think about what makes this Lions team different uh special uh chance to be uh, a super bowl champion for the first time uh you look at the bond the cohesion and sometimes dave you've seen it where the whole is less than the sum of the parts mm-hmm. this team i think the whole is uh, equal to or greater than the sum of the parts and look no further then the celebration in the locker room when Dan Campbell said, I got two game balls <laughs> and the embrace he had with Brad Holmes, uh, yeah. what they have done together in three years. And then, uh, you know, you, you get choked up watching him flip that ball to Jared Goff and say, you're good enough for Detroit. Yeah. No, those, I mean, look, it's, um, you know, they, they've talked for a long time about being cohesive and working together and top down and everyone on the same page with ownership and GM and coach and players. And, you know, a lot of times that's lip service, but, uh, it, you know, it's everything I can tell, at least it, it seems, you know, very true here. Um, you know, they're, they're in lockstep with a lot of what they do and they put a really good roster together. And Dan is a heck of a motivator and, you know, he's got a really good staff that develops talent. So, um, you know, they, they should, they've got some staying power and especially if Jared Goff plays like he did last week and there's going to be some challenges ahead with that. Maybe not this season, but you know, they're probably going to lose their offensive coordinator. So we'll yeah. see exactly what he can do next year. But, um, Jack, I was, I was telling somebody, um, yesterday morning, like, look, I, you know, I think the lions win this week. It's at home. I just don't think they're going to yeah. lose at Ford field. You yeah. know, if I, they go to San Francisco, I probably pick them to lose. I think San Francisco is a little better team, but Man, it, it feels storybook in a lot of ways, and yeah. we root for the stories, and sometimes these right. stories happen, and, and so it really, you know, it almost does feel like the Lions, 
um, you know, might be Super Bowl bound, which sounds weird to say, but uh, yeah, I can definitely see that happening. All right, Dave, I was wondering this the other day and I was waiting to ask you. Now that we're down to the semifinals in each conference, that means four games and eight quarterbacks. Can you rank these eight remaining quarterbacks, one through eight? Um, well, I mean, uh, Lamar Jackson is going to win MVP this year. Um, he probably had the best season. I would, I think I would put him two behind Patrick Mahomes, um, just in terms of if I'm starting a franchise or overall. Yep. Um, you know, Josh Allen, you know, even though he maybe didn't have his best year, he uh, he's probably three. Yeah. Uh, you know, look, Jared Goff is up there. I mean, um, <laughs> you know, I'd probably take Jordan Love ahead of him just based on the youth and kind of the way that he finished uh-huh. the season. But, and, you know, Brock Purdy, I know he's young too. I, you know, I, yeah. look, Brock Purdy and Goff are similar to me in that the fact that, you know, you don't know what Brock Purdy would be without Kyle Shanahan's offense. And there are the right. questions about Jared Goff in LA. And certainly there right. still are some with Ben Johnson, but Goff's proven it now with two different franchises. So, um, you know, Purdy might have had a slightly better year, but I, I think I'd put golf ahead of ahead of Purdy. And right. uh, who am I forgetting here, Jack? I'm, did uh, you have Jordan Love ahead uh, of golf, or did you, you know, I had Jordan Love ahead of golf based on the youth. I guess okay. I mean golf, you know, okay. done it longer. But if I'm starting a franchise, but man, I would put CJ Stroud third. Like, what a rookie year for him! I totally forgot about him. Like, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. Mahomes is is great. He's an all timer. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, you know, Lamar is an MVP, okay. you know, Josh Allen has some turnovers. I'd put CJ Stroud right up there with Josh Allen. So somewhere in that three, four realm, because okay. All right. that's a really good question. There, there's some really good quarterbacks left in there. And as good a season as golf has, he probably checks in near the bottom of that list, just based okay. on upside and talent and, and accomplishments so far. So let me see if I've got this right. I don't want to misquote you. Patrick Mahomes, yeah. number one, Lamar, yep. a likely MVP, number two. Josh yep. Allen, 3, and C.J. Stroud, 3A. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's call it that. <laughs> uh, Jordan Love, 5. Uh, Jared Goff, 6. Uh, nope. That leaves Brock Purdy and Baker Mayfield. Let's go Purdy and Mayfield. I'd, I'd put them in that order. And, and if I'm being honest, like, I think Baker is sort of a, a class below most of these other guys because it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty comparable there with Goff and Purdy and – you know, Jordan Love, and again, that's kind of splitting hairs. Like, Jordan just finished yeah. the season really good, and he's young, and there's so much upside there. That's kind of why I would give him the edge. But yeah. I think Baker is, is a level below those other guys. Okay, so we're going to put Baker in at 8 minus. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's interesting. You did the same same way I did, actually. Uh, your top four are all in the AFC. Yeah. So, Jack, I, yeah, you know. <laughs> I, I saw somebody tweet the other day. Um, I think it was Peter Schrager. Um, I don't want to misquote him or whatever, but maybe it was Albert Breer. One of those guys had just sort of tweeted about, you know, the uh, the 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 best quarterback in you know the the NFC or kind of you know laying out the the field of quarterbacks. And you know, somebody has retweeted him and said, "Well, okay, now now do the." The AFC, you know, like we always knew the AFC had the better quarterbacks. Right. And right. CJ Stroud right. is the big surprise there. And, you know, look, Joe Burrow was hurt. And, you know, there's there's some really, really good quarterbacks in the, the yeah. AFC. And, and we haven't talked about Tua or Justin Herbert or any of those guys yet. Yeah. And, and, but, you know, if you go back to the beginning of the year, that's why people thought that, you know, the Lions had a shot because you looked around and who was the best quarterback in the NFC? Is it Jalen right. Hurts or Dak Prescott or – 
Yeah. What, you know, who, who exactly do you fear? And I don't know that you fear many of those quarterbacks in the NFC. And so Jared Goff, well, he, you know, checks in below Mahomes and Lamar Jackson and all those AFC guys. Um, you know, you uh, if you're trying to get out of the NFC, which that's all the Lions have to do to get to the Super Bowl, you're yeah. pretty good. You got a pretty good shot with uh, with Jared Goff. So you asked the question. I'm going to make you answer it. Uh, who is the best quarterback in the NFC? Is it Prescott? Uh, is it Jalen Hurts? Uh, Dak Prescott threw a couple of balls. He sure loved to have back last weekend. Yeah. Now I'm not the biggest Prescott fan. Um, you know, going into the season, I probably would have thought it was Jalen Hurts. Um, you know, he he certainly didn't have his his best year. Um, you know, I think Brock Purdy was. You know, he was. He was my second-team All-Pro quarterback, so you know I, I I don't know that he's the best quarterback, but I think he had the best season. But Jared Goff is right up there with you know the, among the best quarterbacks in the NFC. And the way Jordan Love finished the season, I mean, you know, if you're a Lions fan, the one you know I guess thing that sort of dampens us all is while wow, you look at Green Bay and all of a sudden maybe they got another franchise quarterback. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's too early to put Love you know at the, the top of the class, but certainly the upside is there. So. Um, but no, Jared Goff is, you know, he's top three in the NFC, let's say that. And I'm still not writing off Jalen Hurts, but, um, you know, Brock Purdy, I think, had the best season of all the NFC quarterbacks. Dave, I know this is looking ahead, and we have more important things uh, on our plate right now, but is there any way the Lions would not have Jared Goff as a quarterback next year? No, I, I think that, you know, obviously we've been talking about that for a couple of years, right? Like, will the Lions yeah. extend them and what happens to the contract? And, you know, he's answered all those questions. You win a playoff game, you have the season that he yeah. did, you have the support of the organization that he does. There is virtually no way that, um, you know, he's not the quarterback of the Lions next fall. And he's, I would highly suspect that he's going to be playing on a new deal that pays him, you know, let's just call it $50 million a year, somewhere in that neighborhood. And, uh, the, you know, the more he wins, the more that, that price is going up. So he's, uh, he's in a good spot. I think the Lions like what they, what they have with him, and, and they're definitely in a good spot ready to move forward with him as their guy. All right. Uh, health-wise, Lions look like they're in just about as good a shape as they could be. I guess, uh, guess Cleve Raymond uh, won't be playing. But what do we know about Chris Godwin? And what difference would that make if he can't play or he is impaired? Yeah, certainly, you know, he's one of the, the best receivers um, in Tampa. And, you know, it's a really good receiving duo. And you take him out and all of a sudden you can shift even more focus to Mike Evans, which will be the Lions' number one focus anyways. I don't I don't know the answer to that, Jack, or what his status is. I think the Lions certainly expect him to play. And, you know, um, just knowing what some of the guys in the Lions' locker room are dealing with when it comes to injuries – um, you know, I'd, I'd venture to say that Chris Godwin will do what he has to do to, to be on the field. So, but Jack, you know, it's funny you bring up the health because I was, and we were talking about that in the, the media room, and the Lions have amazing health for being this point in the season. You know, yeah. they um, look out of all the, you know, contributors that you thought they would have going into the year. There's really only two that they've lost or that aren't available right now, and that's Emmanuel Mosley, who played two snaps, and Vitae, who, you know, I think some people thought Graham Glasgow was going to be the starting guard anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, man, when you have a, a roster that, and don't get me wrong, they've, they've gone through their share of injuries, 
you know, right. both running backs missed time and T.J. Gardner-Johnson, obviously, Brian Branch. But when you have a roster that's as healthy as it is right now, you have a really good shot of doing some damage in the postseason. All right, Dave, I'm going to ask you for some predictions here. And let's start with the other games. How about the two AFC matchups? You have Kansas City, Super Bowl champions, heading into Buffalo. Buffalo beat Kansas City during the regular season. Yeah. And then you have C.J. Stroud, and he doesn't seem to know that he's a rookie or that uh, Baltimore is favored now to win it all. Uh, what do you see coming out of the AFC? I'm going to go with um, Kansas City in Baltimore. And, look, I, I've been extremely impressed with C.J. Stroud and, you know, what he did last week and mm-hmm. what he's, you know, become already in, in one season. I, I think there's an incredibly bright future there. I would certainly be buying, you know, the upside there. But, man, Baltimore's mm-hmm. a juggernaut, and I just – I'm not sure that Houston can beat them as young as that roster is. So give me Lamar, give me Baltimore in, in that one. Um, and look, that I, that other game is going to be a great one. You know, Kansas City against Buffalo and Mahomes yeah. against Allen for uh, you know another another playoff. You know, spectacular. I think. Um, but mm-hmm. ultimately, I think Kansas City's defense. I don't really trust either of those offenses the way they've played. Uh, I think Kansas City has the better defense, and so maybe in a low-scoring game, even though it's going to be in Buffalo. Um, I'm going to take Kansas City's defense, and I don't know if that's an upset by Vegas' odds, but playing in, in Buffalo, I'm going to call it an upset, Kansas City over Buffalo. How shocked would you be, and we were both there on Thanksgiving when Green Bay beat the Lions, if the Packers went out to Santa Clara and stunned the 49ers? Well, I I wouldn't be stunned. I you know I, I think the 49ers win that game, but... You know, Green Bay is as hot as any team in the NFL right now. And as I just said, like Jordan Love has played a really, really good football for people who haven't watched the Packers closely down the stretch. Um, I, You know, it wouldn't stun me. I do think the 49ers have the best roster in the NFC. The things that they can do, the way that they can score um, with the running game, with the passing game, you know, obviously they've got a really, really good coach, and then defensively they can do some things to get after the quarterback. That I know, you know, Green Bay and, and Love beat a good Dallas team, good Dallas defense last week. But I just, I don't know that it's going to be the, the same. I don't think they're going to have the same success. So I think that the 49ers end up winning that game by a touchdown. But look, if we wake up Monday morning and the Lions are hosting <laughs> the NFC Championship game, I'm not going to be stunned. Uh, just so we don't wake up Monday morning and we see it's going to be Packers and Bucks, right? <laughs> That's right. That would that would certainly hey that would probably put a damper on the season for a lot of Lions fans. I think Jack going into the playoffs, a lot of people thought, you know, if the um, if the Lions win one playoff game, like it makes this season a success, you know. And then you know that's not to say you don't want more, but you win one and, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, that's, that's pretty damn good. Um, but then when you get a second home playoff game and you're playing the Bucks, and I think the Bucks may be better than some people are giving them credit for, but if you happen to lose that game, I think a lot of people will walk away with a little bit of a, a disappointment in their, their stomach. So um, certainly don't want that to happen for the, the sake of Lions fans. All right. Do you have a score in mind for Sunday afternoon? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I filed my, my prediction for the paper already. I, I picked the Lions 28-20. Um, you know, I, again, I, I, Tampa's got a good defense, and and I know it was a pretty low-scoring game last time, around twenty to six. I think the home field makes a difference, and I think Baker maybe just makes one mistake that ends up costing Tampa, you know, um, 
he had some shots that first game. He missed three touchdown passes, wide open receivers that he overthrew or ball got tipped at the line of scrimmage. Um, so I think there's maybe some opportunities for him uh, there against, um, you know, this the secondary. The Lions haven't been great pass defense this year. Uh, but ultimately, playing at home, I just I don't I don't see the Lions losing at Ford Field the way that that environment was the other day. Well, our picks aren't that different. I said Detroit twenty-seven to seventeen. So I look forward to seeing you Sunday afternoon. This will be big fun, and I've been told to bring earplugs. So uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Sounds good, Jack. We'll see you down there. Dave Briquette, award-winning sports writer, sports writer of the year for the state of Michigan. Again, from the Detroit Free Press. We'll be back, and Rob, we're going to have an extended segment talking about Michigan, Michigan State hockey. We do have some breaking news. I don't know if you saw this. I just got this from Lauren Tate in Champaign. But the judge in the Terrence Shannon case has approved the temporary restraining order. He will be back in the lineup, and he is expected to play for the Fighting Illini Sunday. They didn't need him last night in Ann Arbor with the win over the Wolverines, but they certainly will moving forward. We'll be right back, and we're going to talk with Rob Woodward. Woody, of course, is color man with Scott Moore on Spartan Hockey Radio broadcasts. And then you're going to hear from Jim Slater, uh, one of the most iconic moments in Michigan State hockey history, the goal that tied the Cold War against Michigan with 47 seconds to go. We'll be right back on The Drive with Jack. To everyone who craves a handcrafted treat, let our team member Sephora tell you about a Culver's favorite. We make our thick and creamy fresh frozen custard in small batches all throughout the day. And we mean all day, every day. From our supremely rich shakes and concrete mixers to our freshly scooped dishes and cones, we handcraft every bite to pure perfection. Come to Culver's and get a taste of our fresh frozen custard. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with with love, love, welcome to delicious. Hey, Spartan fans, when you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear. Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store. Or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to deanjobs.com. So, it's been a while since you've had your jewelry cleaned and inspected, right? Where will you go and who will you trust with your most valuable and treasured heirlooms? At Meadowar Jewelers' four locations in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage, jewelry isn't just our job, it's our passion. Each and every piece entrusted in our care is thoroughly inspected by our trained staff against damage or normal wear. 
And we offer you, our customer, the highest level of quality on repairs and custom designs. Whether it's worn out prongs, channels, or shanks, it's all handled with incredible care. Medawar Jewelers in Lansing, Okemos, Jackson, and Portage want to help you preserve your memories and offer you options on creating new ones. Come in today for the cleaning and inspection of your jewelry. We continue to work hard every day to earn your confidence and trust. To everyone who wants a meal made just for you, let our team member Arish share what makes Culver's special. We know the best meals are the ones shared with the people you love, like our cooked-to-order butter burgers and our real Wisconsin cheese curds. And there's no better way to treat yourself than our creamy, fresh, frozen custard. I put the same care into your meal that I would for my own family. Come to Culver's for a meal made the Wisconsin way. From Wisconsin with love, welcome to Delicious. Jack Eppling here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemos. Matt, tell us about this big clothing drive we got going. Yeah, we're excited, Jack. We got a pickup truck parked on the showroom floor. We're hoping to fill the back of it up with coats, hats, scarves, boots, blankets, and even underwear and socks. All the benefits of people at Crystal Ray. You got it. We're excited, and thanks for the support. Stop and see Matt and the gang here at Graph of Okemos and help make mid-Michigan a better place. Welcome back. It is the Drive with Jack, Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Ebling here with my producer, Boston Rob, getting ready for a big hockey game tonight. And and I guess tomorrow as well, tonight at Mun Ice Arena, tomorrow over at Yoast, Michigan and Michigan State. And it doesn't get much more passionate than that. The longest standing rivalry in college hockey history. Rob, we have our next guest with us. We most certainly do. He is very anxious for tonight's game. Let's just say that. <laughs> He's anxious for every game. He uh, most I, certainly is, but there's a little I, something extra tonight, I think. Rob Woodward joins us, a Spartan player and uh, coaching staff, broadcaster, you name it. Woody, what's different about a Michigan-Michigan State game? They don't all count one, do they? Um, no, I mean, say what you want. You want sometimes you might want to try to play it down, but you get out there and it is different, you know, just the intensity and, and the rivalry and really the, the closeness, you know, when you look at the overall records in the series, it, it's pretty tight and it goes yeah. way, 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 way back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's interesting, Jack, when I was playing, you know, we didn't, like the guys in Michigan, like I, I didn't know, right? Like I knew a few yeah. of them through some of the USA stuff, but then for a while, you know, then you've got a lot of Michigan kids and some of these guys, you know, grew up playing with each other. So it changed the dynamic a little bit. But when you, you know, put that green and white jersey on and you look across from you and you see that, that blue and, and you know what, um, you know, there, there's a, there's a switch that that's flipped and, uh, you get mean, you get intense, and you get ready to go. All right. Uh, how is Michigan State positioned this year, unlike a year ago in Adam Nightingale's first game against Michigan? He became the first Spartan coach ever to win his debut in the series. How about now that? It looks like, yeah, now it looks like he has maybe the best team in the Big Ten, certainly first-place team, number three in the nation in the pairwise. 
19 points more than the Wolverines, 23 more conference goals. Uh, Michigan's figures a little distorted uh, with those goals uh, that they scored in, in the four games against someone's JV. But when you look at <laughs> when you look at where the Spartans are right now, a lot of times, uh, maybe in the last two decades, fans have gone into this game with great apprehension, thinking, "Well, you know, I'll make a play well and keep it close, and get a win would be great." Fans are expecting a victory tonight, Rob. Well, yeah, I mean, I think they're expecting a intense game, um, and and I, you know, probably agree with you, Jack. That you know, people are coming in and they're looking at where we stand. You know, like some of the stats you just rattled off, and I think they go in looking at, hey, you know what, we we've got the better squad now. You just never know, you know. I, I was I had a chance to listen to your interview with uh, Adam earlier in the week, and then of course yeah. you had. Uh, Scotty and, and uh, Nate on yesterday. That was that was a fun interview to listen to. And you know what they say is true. You know, you hate the cliches, but you throw out the records and all that stuff. And it is yeah. kind of true, right? Um, but I think going into this, you know, you mentioned last year, Jack, and this year. And I think when you you look at those two teams, at least from a Michigan State standpoint, yeah. um, the biggest difference is depth. And, you know, you and I kind of talked about that during the before the GLI uh, series. And yeah. Michigan State really has four lines that we can roll. And, you know, if this turns into a special teams type of game, you know, I, I think that favors the Spartans. Both teams have really good power plays. Michigan's penalty kill unit, a little suspect, right? I think we could take advantage of that. But I think our depth really will, will help. Um, if that's the type of game, you know, that this turns into tonight and possibly tomorrow is our depth. I think it's just going to be a key. Trey Augustine has played in a lot of big games for someone his age, including a championship in the World Juniors, uh, playing against uh, elite competition. How do you think he's going to fare uh, going against a team that uh, he'd committed to? He was going to be a Wolverine at one point. Yeah, and you have to imagine they're going to use that as a bit of motivation tonight, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> when you look at Michigan. Um, but I think that's one of the special things about Trey is his ability to really re- remain steadfast, you know. Um, I mean, this guy is as calm as can be. And I think he approaches every game the same. Yeah, And you're right, Jay. I mean, he just won a gold medal for the U.S., um, he's playing now in his first game against Michigan. Don't get me wrong. He's super excited, just like everybody is. But I think his approach uh, and his demeanor uh, towards every game is really, you know, what makes him who he is between the net. And I think as a goaltender, you, you know, you have to play that way. And it's one of the reasons, you know, obviously his skill and his quickness and all the attributes that he has as a goalie itself. But I think the mental a- aspect is, you know, that that played into – the Detroit Red Wings making him a second round draft pick, you know, last year. Right. So, and, and you know, I, I talk about depth. I, I think you know when you look at this game, another advantage that Michigan State has, Jack, is is that position and that you look at what Trey Augustine does and how he's played. Um, I think you can make a case for Trey really being the most improved player uh, in the first half of our season. Uh, that might be surprising to some people, you know, how when you look at how good he's played. Uh, on a consistent basis, but you know, I, I watched those first few games that he was in that for Michigan State, and where he is um, now, you know, going up to this last weekend out at Penn State, 
And I think he just keeps getting better and better and more comfortable in there with the college game. And I think you look at uh, Barcheski and that for Michigan versus Trey Augustine, you got to give that check mark to Michigan State. We're talking with Rob Woodward, uh, knows Michigan State hockey from every possible angle. Woody, who's MSU's MVP at the midpoint of the Big Ten season? Boy, that is a great question. That is a great question. I don't know, Jack. Um, I, I think there's there's multiple people. You know, you could start with the guy we just mentioned, Trey Augustine. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know you got to include the the freshman phenom on, on D, right? Artie Lesnov, yeah. and yeah, uh, you know. But you know, would Artie be doing as good if he was partnered with somebody else other than Nash Neenhouse? I mean, Nash Neenhouse has done so right. well for us, and. Up front, you know, you've got uh, Dorward and Ike Howard and Larson and you know Savage, and uh, th- that is a that is a really tough question. I cannot answer that one right now. If I had to, to give out uh, an MVP midway through the season, I- I'm not sure who I could give it to. Maybe maybe you got to give it to the coaching staff. <laughs> I think they've done a phenomenal job here with these guys. So how many is times in, is that a cop out? Yeah, answer, a little Jim? bit, a little bit. We'll let you get away with it. Yeah, we'll let you get away with it. Uh, uh, you know, kind of a three-star selection kind of thing. It, it is. Uh, I know. Yeah. I, I always give the Scotty more tip of the cap. You know, when I it's kind of tight up at the top, but I do always do pick one. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, it is a great question, and that's the beauty of this team, right? I mean, we do yeah. have a lot of guys playing at a high level right now. Well, when we have you back on at the end of the season. Woody, we're I'll not going to let you cop out. You're going to have one. Okay. Right? Gonna, I'll have one for you then. <laughs> uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, when you look at this team, and a lot of people thought when Adam Nightingale came in that, you know, maybe he could do it. Maybe he could turn it around. Uh, certainly there were a lot of hopes. Maybe some people were confident. I don't know anyone, uh, including Adam's wife, who thought that they would be <laughs> where they are in year two. Uh, what's the most important thing? that has Michigan State number three in the pairwise? Uh, well, again, you go back to depth, but, you know, I think that, you know, you look at what they've done recruiting-wise. I mean, we've got, what, I think there's 12 guys that will be in the lineup tonight, and that includes our backup goaltender and DePasquo, uh that did not play last year, you know, in this mm-hmm. game against Michigan. We were, we were close. You remember those games last year were pretty close against Michigan. Uh, I think three of them, one goal, right? And the other one was four to two. We lost that one in overtime with 0.6. That was tough. But, um, you know, so I think that you look at the job that that Adam and his staff have done of putting this lineup together, whether it's the the freshmen and the new guys or some of the guys that they were able to get in the portal. um, I mean, it's just a fantastic job of evaluating not only talent, but I think, and you've heard Adam say this to you, Jack, you know, guys that fit into the program, right? Um, You know, there's some guys out there that maybe they could have and they could have have gotten on this roster, but maybe they don't fit into the philosophy of Adam and his coaching staff and what Michigan State hockey is right now. And I, you know, I think you got to give, a ton of credit for that because it's easy to to try to pluck these real skilled guys and guys that are scoring a ton of goals and getting a lot of points but if they don't fit that can cause some problems and i think you know that's, that's first and foremost uh you know you got to give credit there the knights and and you know mike towns and uh jared DeMichael for going out and, and getting these guys that are in this lineup right now because they're all really solid 
himself. I said, you hear Adam say the word humble a lot. And really each and every one down the lineup of these kids are, are humble. And they're, and they believe in Knights and his message. Um, and, you know, you look at what Will Morlock has done as far as getting these guys in condition, Jack. And I can't believe, you know, I, I was thinking about it last week out of Penn State. Like, we just can't seem to be getting better better shape as the season goes on and these we're starting the doldrums of the season right in january and february yeah. it sometimes gets tough yet you know we keep on looks like we're, we're faster quicker and stronger throughout the season i think that's a huge part of you know the, the turnaround this year all right rob since uh i i didn't hold you to picking a, an mvp uh i am going to ask you to name the top four teams in the Big Ten. Well, I can do that. Now, of course, you know who my number one's going to be, right? <laughs> the yep. guys that yep. currently sit at yep. top. I think Wisconsin, uh, like us, has proved to everybody that they are for real. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would put Wisconsin at number two. Uh, Minnesota is, is I think, right there. They do have a lot of skill. I'm going to put them at three. We haven't seen Michigan yet, so despite, you know, you look at, and you mentioned this at the beginning of the conversation, Jack, their, their stats are a little skewed, right, because yeah. of their, you know, their yeah. games against More than uh, a little. Stone, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, when they played Stonehill and when they played Lindenwood, um, you know, their Big Ten, they've, they've only got 31 goals, four, and I think they got 32 against, you know, and their power play is still pretty good, but. Yeah, uh, they only have eight power play goals in the Big Ten. You know, compare that to or to Michigan State. I think we got eleven power play goals. Granted, we played two more games, but I bring that up because, um, despite you know that being skewed, they still have a lot of skilled guys on their team. Right? They had four guys that were on the World Junior team. Um, they've got some skilled guys back on the point. Sometimes I think they have a tendency, Jack, to kind of those skilled guys say, well, I'm just going to do this myself, and they, and they get away from the team play, and I think that can be detrimental to them. Um, you know, so I, I, you know, do I put them at, at four right now? Um, it's a wait and see. I think, you know, when I see them in person tonight, I'll, I'll change that. So I'll, I'll kind of put them and Notre Dame as a tied for fourth right now. Uh, you'd probably have to give Notre Dame the edge in, in net, right? Uh I would, uh, yes. Mitchell's uh, one of the best, certainly, you're yeah. going to find in college hockey. But as you say, yeah. uh, Michigan does have a lot of explosive guys, a lot of guys who have been drafted. And when we look at those line charts tonight before the game, we're going to see a lot of NFL logos pasted on the U of M line chart. Yeah, uh, not there will see be. very many on Michigan State's. Uh, Although that, 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 that continues to grow, though. That's right. That That's continues right. to grow. What I think we've got, we've got six guys, um, you know, that I've drafted. So Victor Hurtig, remember, he's one of them. He hasn't been cracking the lineup lately, but he is yeah, a yeah. double draft pick. So does yeah, Michigan yeah, State they, have? Yeah, you, you would know this because you've done all the game prep. Uh, does Michigan State have more guys who've been drafted than Michigan has who have not been drafted? Ooh, that is something I did not prep, but I can check that, Jack, and I can have that on the broadcast tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I don't think okay. so. You know, I, okay. I was uh, just. I didn't. I didn't count the how many draft picks are in the lineup tonight yeah. for Michigan, but I. Yeah. I do not think that that would be correct. Okay. All right. 
Uh, that has that has gone down a little bit for Michigan. Um, yeah. So it, they still have a lot, but it's not as many as they used to. All right, uh, I would be stunned if uh, Rob Woodward did not have some sort of a green prism he's looking through here, or of have, uh, had a little bit of the Kool Aid. That's to be expected. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not as concerned with which team you think is going to win tonight, but what kind of game are we going to see? This is the highest-scoring Michigan State offense we have seen since the 80s. Yeah. Uh, when they won the national championship in 86 and had the dream team just before that. But this team is so much fun to watch because, you know, even when Mace had those great teams late in his career with Ryan Miller and some of the other teams that Michigan State had that went a long way, uh, goals were uh, at a premium. And yeah. with this team scoring four and a half a game, uh, it's a different kind of hockey. So are we going to see a high-scoring game? Is this going to be a 5-4, 6-4, 5-3 kind of game? Or would you expect uh, Augustine and maybe Michigan State guys a little tight and they start hitting posts and this is a 2-1 to one game? You know, I think, as I said earlier, you know, despite Michigan's you know, stats in the Big Ten, their power play still is good. And I think that will be a key tonight. I think we do want to stay out of the box because, again, they, they do have the skilled players. And that's burnt us in the past. I know what's in yeah. the past, and it's different this year. <laughs> but they, they do have they do have the, the firepower, you know, to, to get on the board in that situation. I think if we can be smart, you know, if we're going to be in the penalty box, let's make sure we're taking somebody with us. We want to, you know, as Knight says, let, let's play, you know, let our, our uh, actions uh, prove themselves, uh, you know, in between the whistles. You know, let's not jaw jack or anything like that after the whistle and stuff. You got to be smart. But you, get, hey, let's let's protect our teammates and stand up. Um, yeah, yeah. But to answer your question, uh, yes, I do think we. <laughs> who knows? I thought last week Penn State was going to come out a lot better yeah. on Saturday than they did, and they scored yeah. the first goal, right? <laughs> and yeah. So I'm like, okay, yep, yeah, it's going to be tougher. And then we just took over. You know, we just dominated the rest of that game on Saturday. So that was kind of strange. So you never know in our sport, but I, yeah, I think you know, especially because, like you said, when you look at these two goaltenders for Michigan versus uh, Michigan State, I think that will be a key. We do. We have almost a hundred more shots than Michigan. Now again, they played. That's in the Big Ten. Uh, they played two less games, but that 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 tells you a lot, right there, right? So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I I could see a you know a five to one type game in favor of Michigan wow. State. I would love. I would love that. Um, you know, it, it will be intense. Uh, hopefully we can get on, on the board early. That favors both teams. You know, when you look at the way these get, both teams have played this year, that you know, you score first, and the, the records are pretty good. But um, that being said, even if Michigan uh, scores first, uh, the way we've been resilient, we don't get up, we don't get down. You know, Knights has these guys pretty even keel. I still think we'd be okay. But, yeah, I, 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 think, we can, I think we can put the puck in against these guys. I'd love to see it. I hope I'm right. Uh, stay tuned in the next uh, few hours. We'll we'll see. Five to one, Rob. What was your score? Four two. Four two. I'm going to say five three. And if it's five one, Michigan State or four two, Michigan State. First beverage is on me, uh, gentlemen. Uh, this was <laughs> big fun. That, Jack. <laughs> you will. It's a deal. Uh, Woody, uh, hey, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, Jake. Before you go, you know, and you know that, and I'll see you tonight at the rink. But uh, with this being the only time we play, I mean, the, the build up of this game 
Yeah. I have not seen this, and the way people are talking in in, in the town, I haven't seen this in a, in a long time. Uh, it's yeah. it's going to be really cool at Monday night. Absolutely, we'll see you in a couple of hours. Rob right Woodward, former Michigan Thanks, State, Jeff. Thanks, Rob. Player and a staffer and longtime broadcaster and color man for Scott Moore on the Spartan Hockey broadcast. We're going to stay right here. Very happy to be joined by a guy who scored the most important goal in the Michigan-Michigan State Hockey Series and I think one of the three most famous in MSU hockey annals. Talk about Jim Slater. Uh, of course, a tremendous career in the NHL, uh, longest-serving uh, member of the Atlanta franchise when he retired. Jim, how are you? Doing well. Thank you for that introduction. Good to well, come back on. <laughs> it is a Michigan at Michigan State night. And I uh, want to flashback, if we can, to the game in Spartan Stadium. It was uh, October 6th. Saturday night, and uh, a lot warmer than it is right now, but what do you remember about that game and your incredible goal with 47 seconds left to tie it? Well, I remember, yeah, it was my first uh, college game, so really excited for it, obviously, and, <laughs> you know, being one of the first uh, outdoor games is definitely something special, and then, obviously, against Michigan, uh, I think we were number one in the country at the time, and Michigan was a top-five team, so it was a great matchup, and I just remember... Um, obviously the atmosphere and just being there and uh you know the i <laughs> first couple shifts i thought oh my gosh this is college hockey like it was so hard <laughs> and then um after after about the first you know three or four shifts and that's when adam hall scored um and after that it just kind of fell into just another hockey game and um you know it just kind of came to the point where things were set up to uh to happen the way they did for myself and, and the team and was able to, um, you know, help get the tie in, in, a, in a great game. So uh, it was a, just a wonderful, wonderful experience. How many times have people asked you about that, mentioned they were there, or they wanted to reminisce with you about an unforgettable night? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it happens quite a bit. I mean, I still live in the East Lansing area, and I have, uh, you know, obviously friends that uh, – we're at the game or watch the game or heard about the game and they always kind of you know ask i you know i have a trophy from uh um yeah being the uh most valuable spartan uh in my in my yeah. house and stuff so people yeah. ask about it and um it's always the same answer you know just uh incredible time and just kind of tell them how the goal went and um you know basically that was it but yeah it definitely helps being uh, you know in east lansing um being around the spartan hockey program still and and uh yeah it's always fun to talk about because it's you know, it was it was my first game and first college yeah, goal, yeah. and uh, it's crazy to think that that was <laughs> the start of your college career. But uh, you know, it's uh, it was an awesome experience. Well, you might as well explain the play for those who were not there, but they can certainly, with theater of the mind, live through that. Michigan State trailing three to two, and then uh, Brad Fast. Had the puck, of course, uh, he is involved in development now at Michigan State, something you know well. And uh, then Adam Hall, and, and there it was on your stick. Can you take us through that moment? Yeah, it was uh, obviously time was winding down, and we had a face-off, and, you know, kind of, uh, I remember called a timeout, and uh, you said Brad Fast made an unbelievable play at the blue line to keep the puck in. He just kind of shoveled it towards the net, and 
I kind of found a, a soft area, and uh, you know, we're kind of taught to catch the face-off shots are more important than people think. Uh, you kind of line yourself yeah. up with those, and um, you know, kind of got in that little area there to the uh, to the left of the goalie. And like I said, Brad Fast made a great play at the blue line. He kind of kept it in, shoveling towards the net. It uh, hit a few sticks or skates, and kind of bounced straight uh, right where that face-off dot was. And I was standing there, was able to. Uh, but it, uh, upstairs over the goalie, and um, you know, I was just kind of skated, <laughs> skated away cheering. Guys were grabbing <laughs> me, and flames were flying, and you know, fans were cheering. So it was, yeah. uh, it was a great moment. Not a lot of shots in this game, Jim. Uh, Michigan State outshot the Wolverines twenty-four to twenty-two, just forty-six total shots. And talking to a longtime fan of Michigan hockey, of course, you have to understand. Uh, the distorted perspective of those people. But they said, hey, Wolverines got the last four penalties of the game. Uh, being at Michigan State, officials wanted the Spartans to win. Probably didn't seem like that while you were out there playing, right? No, I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's hard to, you know, come up with those type of uh, uh, <laughs> scenarios, I guess you said. Well, I'm not going to say excuses, but scenarios. And, yeah, you know, it, you can. <laughs> You know, it was it was a great game. I mean, it was back and forth. You know, there's a couple lead changes there. You know, we were trailing, they were trailing. Um, you know, it was uh, it was a great game. I mean, it's for a hockey fan, what, what else do you want? You know, and um, yeah, I just remember uh, it was just like I said, it was just a tough, solid plate. I mean, it was first game for both teams. You know, um, yeah. of the season, and uh, yeah. it was just a great hockey game. You know, and uh, it turned out the way it did. As a player, as a freshman, how do you top a goal like that before close to 75,000 people? Well, it would have been nice to win a national championship or something with a goal. But, um, <laughs> right, right. you know, it's, you know, obviously, uh, you know, looking back on my career, that was definitely the biggest goal of my career. Um, happened, you know, to be my first and first game. But a lot of goals along the way, I mean, there was a goal yeah. in the GLI uh, championship yeah. game against Michigan that was that was up there, and a couple other goals that happened uh, throughout my career that were big. But um, yeah, it's it's tough to top. I think the only way you can top that is if you score a national championship game-winning goal, like Justin right. Applicator did. <laughs> and, right. uh, Justin Applicator, Mike Donnelly. It's happened Mike twice, Donnelly. and those are the two goals that people yeah. put with yours in the all-time top three. Uh, Rob, what year did you get to East Lansing? I'll yeah, tell you even a better story of what year that game was going on when I first stepped foot into Michigan. My wife, uh, right? now my wife, uh, picked me up from the airport and uh, showed me around campus. And I saw the lights going on at Spartan Stadium. And uh, I said to my wife, what's going on there? And she's like, oh, it's just an outdoor hockey game. And right there, that's I'm here for life yeah, after that yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, Jim, it was yeah. such a surreal night, as as you know, but... Uh, David McAuliffe, assistant coach, uh, worked a long time on Ron Mason to get him to go for this idea. And it, it was uh, Dave's idea originally. But when it finally came to pass, and uh, Mark Hollis had a lot to do with it, uh, the inventiveness that he had as AD, uh, it was warm that week. And I remember standing with Hollis in the middle of Spartan Stadium saying, you're going to have a hockey game or a swim meet? And yeah, I, uh, f finally they got that cold snap and everything was perfect. 
yeah, not only was it warm, but it was raining. And um, I remember we had a, uh, a practice the day before, and it was it was raining out. And uh, uh, like I said, it turned to kind of a puddle um, out there. But uh, it ended up, like you said, working out and ended up being just a fabulous night. Um, you know, I, I still yeah. remember the uh, the sunset. You know, it was it was yes. it was magical yes. to be honest with you. You know, and yeah. um, it was yeah. I mean, it was. Uh, the night before it was raining, it was warm, and then it just kind of all fell together. And you know, you kind of look at like October. It's like, man, that's that's a tough game to pull off. You know, even um, yeah, you know the NHL yeah. does it. The NHL does it yeah. so right these days. Um, I mean, they could do it blindfolded and and, and put it right, together. But right. back then, like, I mean, that's what, over 20 years ago, and it was the first one. And to have it in October, I mean, you see Michigan in October, you never know what you're going to get, and um, it, right. uh, it wound up to be perfect. So. All the pomp and circumstance with that, too. And uh, they brought in a pretty good guy to drop the first puck. He can't be any better than Gordy Howe. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, they did a lot of different uh, entertainment things throughout the night, but that was definitely one of them. Um, you know, for him to come in and, and drop the puck uh, was was an experience. We never got to meet him, um, you know, before or after the game, but yeah, to be, yeah. I guess, on the same ice as him <laughs> at the same time was uh, was pretty good, even if it was just for him uh, to drop the puck. So when you go out for warm-ups or certainly your first shift of the game, uh, do you look up into the stance? You say, holy moly, I haven't played anything close to this. Uh, you know, you talk about 75,000. That's 103% of stadium capacity at that time. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't get that for – 95 percent of the football games yeah no i think so i i think the the like i said coming out for for warm-ups everyone's just so excited i mean we're 18 year old kids you know and um uh we're young and uh you're coming out for warm-ups and you're feeling good and then you come up for the beginning of the game you're just flying around uh uh like i said the first you know three four shifts i thought it was a, i was like how am i going to play college hockey if this what's going to be like because people <laughs> it was <laughs> It felt so. I still remember it was so hard and so tough, and um, you know, like I said, everyone was just kind of flying around, not really knowing. And it was the first game of the season, so obviously the systems aren't in place, and you're just kind of out there playing. Right, but right. like I said, after Adam Hall scored, kind of settled everything down, and after that, it just kind of became became a game. Um, you know, obviously still in, in a unique setting, but it just became kind of became a game, and uh, we settled in and. Uh, you know, it's you know, looking back at pictures, it's it's still. I mean, there's still that one beautiful <laughs> picture from up in the uh, from up in the nosebleeds yeah. that kind of shoots down on the ice, and you know, yeah. I have one in my house, and you know, every time you see it, um, you know, you're obviously trying to find yourself because it was during uh, it was during uh, right before the uh, national anthems and everything, so you're trying to find yourself in the picture and doing that, but um, it's uh, yeah, just to see that view from the from the nosebleeds. Uh, is pretty spectacular to see the whole stadium filled like that and, and, a, and an ice rink in the middle of a football field. Neil Kepke and I were um, on the coverage team for the Lansing State Journal. just before I left the paper. And uh, up in the press box, I mean, it can get tough to follow the puck and the action and everything anyway, but up sure. there it was a totally different experience. And uh, really glad we had that opportunity. We're talking with Jim Slater. He is the pride of Lapeer, Michigan. And Jim and I actually have something in common. It has nothing to do with athletic ability. It has to do with uh, I was a teacher and a coach coaching football and track. 
at Lapeer West High School uh, for three years, uh, just before you were born in the late 70s. And, uh, of course, uh, you're one of the most famous athletes ever to come from that part of the state. When you think about growing up uh, in that area, just east of Flint, how did that shape you? I know you had a chance to travel and play hockey all over the world, but growing up there, how did that influence who you became? Yeah, um, you know, Lapeer, as you know, Jack, is it's quite a interesting place. You know, I, I, I look back, I come back, you know, I come back home now and, um, you know, like you said, after traveling, you know, the world pretty much, uh, you know, due to hockey, you come back to Lapeer and, you know, it's your hometown and it still has a magical place for yourself and, you know, you go back to your parents' house, and um, you, know, you just kind of are there, and you're in the in the neighborhood, and it's, it's just a, it's, a, it's a very it's a very special place to be honest with you, and anybody's hometown yeah. really, and yeah. um, you know Lapeer especially because there, you know, there were so many uh, athletes that came out of there. Um, you know, to be honest, for a small town uh, to have the athletes that we have had come out right. of there, right? Um, it's pretty pretty impressive to be honest with you. So um, it was always a. Uh, I, I remember the Pure West was a big time. I guess uh, boys uh, sports and the Pure East was a big time yeah. girls sports. You know, in my yes, uh, yes. Um, and then they you know now they merged and they become one one high school. But um, there were right, some good right. good athletes that came out of there. And um, you know, I remember going to you know football games on Friday nights, uh, watching sure. watching the Pure West because my dad was a principal and. Um, you know, you go into hockey games, uh, you know, in Flint because uh, that's where they played out of, and it was it was a very good community um, with uh, with good sports that were supported by the uh, uh, the people of the community, and it was just a great place to grow up. A guy I coached there, Jim uh, Mike Densmore, was a five year offensive lineman for Michigan State uh, back before you were born, but uh, and you think back to. Uh, that school, it was interesting. They were the Lapeer Panthers, and then they split into two schools. So the year I got there became Lapeer West Panthers and Lapeer East Eagles. Mm-hmm. And now they're back together, as you say, as one, but they're neither one. They're the Lapeer Lightning. Correct, yeah. So amazing stuff. Uh, we're talking with Jim Slater, former Michigan State standout. Two-time All-Conference, uh, All-America, uh, second-team All-American, and then to a long career in the National Hockey League. While you were at Michigan State, Jim, could you envision playing as long as you did in professional hockey? Uh, you know, I guess my my dream was to uh, to obviously play play that, but my goal was to uh, was to play college hockey and at Michigan yeah. State, and once Four you kind of achieve that. Yeah, and once you kind of yeah. achieve that, it's kind of like, okay, what's next? Uh, yeah. Can I be a pro? And I think, you know, coming to Michigan State and getting a getting a scholarship and playing with the players that, you know, you did play with there at Michigan State kind of open your yeah. eyes up to, yeah, you know what, maybe I can make this out of a living. And, you know, the, the stuff that you learn, the uh, the lessons, you know, the, the experiences that you learn um, playing for a school like Michigan State um, yeah. prepares you for that. And, you know, I think – it was important for me to stay four, four years at Michigan State and to learn and just become a better person, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, I was able to come out after my four years at Michigan State. I could have could have come out after, um, could have come out early. But yeah. I think it was really important for me to stay those four years and, like I said, just kind of become a 
better all-around player, all-around person. And, you know, I was fortunate enough when I did come out of Michigan State, I was able to step right into the NHL and, um, you know, play play for 10 years. And I really owe a lot to Michigan State for preparing me for that uh, uh, experience because, um, like you said, it, it is tough to do that. And if you aren't ready for it, it can eat you up. And I think Michigan State definitely, like I said, was able to prepare me for that and uh, was able to have a nice long um, career. So it goes back to just, uh, you know, using the resources at Michigan State, um, and being around the people that you know they they had in place there, the coaching staffs, training staff, the players, and um, just just uh, being prepared, and that's and that's kind of what it takes. Before you became a flame or a jet, you were fortunate to play for two two Hall of Fame head coaches, finishing up with Rick Comley. But you had a chance to play in the final years with Ron Mason. What's the most important thing you learned from then the winningest coach in college hockey history? And were you surprised when uh, it was announced that he was going to become director of athletics and you weren't going to be playing for him anymore? Yeah, I'll start with that second question. I, I you know, when I first committed to Michigan State, um, you know, a lot of the reason was come to play for, for Coach Mason and, and playing under, um, you know, his his tutelage and learning from him. And uh, I still remember sitting in his office before I committed and um, asking him, like, you know, I plan on being here for four years. Do you plan on being here for four years? And <laughs> I, remember, I remember him saying yes. So I was, you know, definitely a little shocked um, when he did uh, leave after my first year. But like you said, uh, Coach Conley came in and yeah. was able to provide that, uh, you know, I guess that that steady that steady um, presence behind the bench. Yeah. But uh you know, going back to Coach Mason, like you said, I only had a year with him, right? And yeah, I wanted four from him, but um, you know, obviously things happen. I think we would have learned a lot more from him from those next three years. But that first year, I guess what I took away from him was I looked at the game a lot differently. And when I got to Michigan State, um, you know, being around him, you just kind of saw how much preparation. Um, it took and how, how well he knew the game and knew the opposition and was able to uh, prepare a game plan um, for you to go out and you had to execute it. And that was the biggest thing, you know, like playing juniors, you could pretty much get away with doing what you wanted to do and (laughs) not really following a a system, you know, and um, coming here, he really instilled like you're going to be coached and you're going to do what I want you to do. You're going to play the system. You're going to follow it. If you don't, you're, you're not going to play because the team is uh, far more valuable than, than the individual. And um, that's why he had so much success. And, you know, obviously we had great players that, you know, played here at Michigan State. But right. the overall success of the team um, is what he brought. And that's, uh, that's why I learned it from the first year. And I really think, you know, it's tough when you have a new coach come in um, over after a couple of years. And, you know, uh, Coach Comley did a great job, obviously, winning a national championship. But I really believe yeah, if yeah. Um, Ron Mason would have been here for, you know, those uh, those three other years of my, my yeah. career, we really could have uh, uh, done done something really special um, because we had some we had a lot of good players and um, we, we would have been a great team. Uh, let's talk a little bit about playing against the University of Michigan. You mentioned that was your first game. And we know what the intensity of that series was. It's... Every hockey game can be intense, but there's something a little bit different 
with Michigan, Michigan State, doesn't matter what sport it is, uh, for you to open up against them and then to play them as often as you did, how would you describe that to someone who has never competed against a rival? Well, it's something special. It's uh, it's definitely you get geared up for it. I mean, um, you know they're they're always good, and uh, Michigan State's always good. And when you put two really good teams playing against each other, you're going to have a good game. I mean, I think for a moment there, you may have the stat, but over like at one point, I think it was like 20 straight games or something, a team didn't beat another team by more than one goal, and. Um, you know, obviously, as the years have gone on, you know, there's been some lopsided scores, but right, in the right. end, it's it's always a a, a competitive game, and um, you know, I guess to explain it to a person is it's just a game pretty much against <laughs> against someone that you don't like very much, and <laughs> if you have a if you have a rival that you don't get along with very well, and you're playing sports again. Uh, you're going to get geared up for it even that much more, and um, it's going to it's going to bring out it's going to bring out the best in you. It's going to bring out the best in them. Sometimes it brings out the worst in you. It brings out the worst in them. But um, in the end, um, all you want to do is win and beat them, and that's kind of where we were at. Uh, Jim, Michigan State still still the last Big Ten team to win a national title. That was back in 2007, as you mentioned. And Spartans look like they're going to be an elite team this year. At least they are at the midpoint of the Big Ten race. Uh, first place by a point over Wisconsin. 19 points ahead of Michigan in the Big Ten standings and scored 23 more conference goals than the Wolverines, which something that you don't usually see with that high-powered of an attack. What do you make of what you've seen from Adam Nightingale, someone you've known, and uh, the direction of this Michigan State program. Well, as soon as Adam was hired, you knew things were going to be good. And um, not only have they been good, they've been great so far. And uh, you know, going back to you know what what you see, and it's kind of just what I talked about with Coach Mason was Adam brings a team first um, approach to the game. And there's some good players on this team uh, this year, and. You can see that when you go watch a game. There's some good players. There's going to be some players that play at the at the higher levels. Uh, but what he's brought is an understanding of if we're going to be, you know, successful, it's going to be a team first approach. And you can see the way the team plays, that how good the team the team is. And um, yeah, that's really one thing to say about Adam is when you know when I did play with him, uh, he was a team first guy. You know, he was all about the yeah. team, whether yeah. it was off the ice, on the ice, anywhere. He's a team first guy, and um, you can see that in his coaching style. So he's uh, he's brought that um, to the team. He's added in, you know, some great players that are going to play at the next level. And when you get that and Adams' coaching ability, you're gonna you're gonna see what you see right now, and that's a that's a uh, really good team that can play with anyone in the country. Did he strike you then, Jim, as a guy who? Would go into coaching certainly had those kinds of leadership qualities. For sure, um, you know Adam. Not only qualities, you know, of coaching, but just hard work in general. You know, he comes from a great family that, uh, you know, is 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 known for their hard work. I mean, his his brothers are still in hockey that, you know, have have really grinded it out and 
his parents, you know, are hard workers from from uh, you know Northern Michigan, and um, that's what Adam is. You know, he's he's going to put he's going to put his full effort and um, into something, and that's what he's doing here at Michigan State. And you know, he loves Michigan State, and he's uh, he's going to be here for a long time. How many games have you had a chance to watch this year, either in person or or on television? If you've been traveling, yeah, you know, uh, you know, I work for the Washington Capitals now, so we have a player on that team, uh, David Gucciardi. So yeah, you know, we got yeah. guys in there a lot, and being there, I think more for me seeing games is I try to get over there and, and watch practice. Yeah, and yeah. you can really tell a team by practice, and you go over there and watch Michigan State practice. And you can see why they're ready for the weekend, because <laughs> the weekend almost seems easier than than what practices are. And uh, so I really like going over for practice. Um, when I go over for games, uh, games are more of family time for myself and my wife and my two kids. Is we kind of go over there and just enjoy it as a family. So I'm not really um, working. We're you know we're eating popcorn, we're eating cotton candy, we're doing all that. <laughs> um, I got a four year old that's climbing all over me and. So it's hard to actually watch the game. It's more about the experience and the and you know, like if you've never if people have never been to a, a Michigan State hockey game and you have kids, you should go and do it because it's a great experience for kids. That's what I can say about that. But I really just like I said, I go I go in for uh, for practice and just kind of seeing um, you know how they work and how they handle it, and mm-hmm. it's really fun doing that. Well, will you be at Munt tonight? I will not. I'm actually in uh, Calgary doing. Uh, doing a job but uh i'll be following yeah. closely uh definitely watching highlights and stuff uh, on the internet jim slater he is a guy who scored the game tying goal 47 seconds left in cold war the most famous michigan michigan state hockey game jim uh, thanks for joining us and good luck in finding the next alex ovechkin i <laughs> appreciate that jack and all the best and uh we'll uh we'll, we'll i'm sure we'll be talking to you at some point here jim slater We'll be right back, and we're going to finish the show with Jay Green, proud Flintstone. We'll get his take on uh, Jonathan Smith yesterday. He had a big appearance before the high school coaches clinic. And uh, also what happened last night at Breslin Center. And Rob, uh, Jay also made his way over to Breslin the night before and uh, sat with me and uh, Dominic Carbone at the women's game. So we'll touch base with Jay in just a couple minutes here on The Drive with Jack. Hey, Spartan fans. When you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear. Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store. Or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. To everyone who wants a meal made just for you, let our team member Arish share what makes Culver's special. We know the best meals are the ones shared with the people you love, like our cook-to-order butter burgers and our real Wisconsin cheese curds. And there's no better way to treat yourself than our creamy, fresh, frozen custard. I put the same care into your meal that I would for my own family. Come to Culver's for a meal made the Wisconsin way. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with love, welcome to Delicious. 
Time for a career change? Looking to make a difference? Dean Transportation is looking for compassionate people to join our dedicated team of school bus professionals. Dean Transportation has immediate openings and offers paid training to obtain a commercial driver's license. With increased starting pay, benefit packages, flexible scheduling with weekday hours, and more, Dean Transportation may be the career choice for you. No experience needed. Apply now and train all summer. Head to DeanJobs.com. Jack Eveling here with my good friend Matt Sloan at Graph of Okemos. Matt, tell us about this big clothing drive we got going. Yeah, we're excited, Jack. We got a pickup truck parked on the showroom floor. We're hoping to fill the back of it up with coats, hats, scarves, boots, blankets, and even underwear and socks. All the benefits of people at Crystal Ray. You got it. We're excited, and thanks for the support. Stop and see Matt and the gang here at Graph of Okemos and help make mid-Michigan a better place. To everyone who craves a handcrafted treat, let our team member Sephora tell you about a Culver's favorite. We make our thick and creamy fresh frozen custard in small batches all throughout the day. And we mean all day, every day. From our supremely rich shakes and concrete mixers to our freshly scooped dishes and cones, we handcraft every bite to pure perfection. Come to Culver's and get a taste of our fresh frozen custard. From From Wisconsin Wisconsin with with love, love, welcome to Delicious. Hey, Spartan fans, when you want the largest and best selection of Spartan gear, Alumni Hall is your ultimate shopping destination. Come get your officially licensed gear, Nike, Champion, Columbia, Yeti, New Era hats, tailgating gear, and more. MSU students, faculty, and military receive 10% off in-store every day. And you can earn cash back with their Hall Pass rewards. Alumni Hall, located in Eastwood Town Center near the Apple Store, or shop anytime at alumnihall.com. For the ultimate Spartan shopping experience, it's Alumni Hall. Welcome back. It is a Drive with Jack Spotlight Radio Network. Jack Ebling here with my producer today, Boston Rob. Rob, I want to finish the show as we do every week. We have our buddy Jay Green with us. Absolutely. He's ready to go. Well, he was with me Wednesday night uh, watching the MSU women play and a big win over Northwestern. And last night at Breslin Center, Spartans are defeating Minnesota. Uh, Jay, Tom Izzo and the players kind of saw that game differently. I don't know if you uh, heard about the post game, but no, uh, I didn't. Tom wasn't really happy, nor I think were most of the fans who were there. Didn't really like the way the team played. They liked to win, but this game was tied with less than four minutes to go, and it wasn't supposed to be. Michigan State was an eleven and a half point favorite. Spartans did not play their best basketball. In fact, I think they played much worse last night in victory than they did a week ago at Illinois in a three-point loss, and worse than they did at uh, Arizona when they lost that game in the final minutes. But then you talk to the players, and uh, they seem fine with it. You know, hey, we got to win. We're good. And and Izzo said two things have to happen this time of season. You want to win, and you want to make progress. I don't think this team made any progress last night. 
No, I, and, I, and I can understand that. I feel like we've been playing well as of late. And, you know, last night was just one of those games where you have a bad night. I think we were maybe, what, 50% from the free throw line? Yeah. I even remember at some point we were shooting like 60% from the field. Yeah. You know, so I, I just feel like it was a bad shoot night. We got, I feel like we got a lot of good shots that we normally make, and we didn't. And it, and I guess to his point, it, it kind of reminded you like of the beginning of the year, yeah. where we wasn't yeah. hitting them shots. So I can I can understand where he where he's coming from, and I and I feel like nobody's expectation will exceed his. But you know, I think sometimes you're happy with a win. Doug Herner, a legendary. Head coach at Lansing Sexton and longtime member of the Michigan State basketball staff always says, when you don't shoot well, everything else looks bad. And last night, I thought Michigan State was bad in terms of some of the shots they allowed Minnesota to get that they would not have given up other games. They got out-rebounded. The one thing Michigan State did so well, again, last night, and it's uncharacteristic from a positive standpoint. Everyone talks about how this isn't Izzo ball. Well, this team isn't going to get 50 rebounds most games. But this team doesn't turn the ball over the way that some of Izzo's best teams have. Last night, Michigan State just five turnovers. Rob, you and I were sitting there. We couldn't believe it. Minnesota had 19. And if Minnesota had had only twice as many turnovers as Michigan State, uh, Gophers probably would have got out with a win. Yeah, but I, I think it, that's kind of like the, the balance of it of the whole game. You know, you shoot well, you shoot, shoot yeah. poorly, but you don't turn the ball over. Yeah, yeah. and and they 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 turn the ball over, which gives you more possession. You yeah. said they had nineteen, and we only have five. That's right. like three times as many turnovers, which almost gives us, four times. You know, yeah, exactly, which gives us yeah. a whole lot more possessions. Which you know, and, and it kind of balances out. So yeah, yeah. again, I, I, I'm I'm always just a glass half full kind of guy, and I understand, <laughs> you know, coach and and how he thinks. Yeah. And uh, but I, I like I was even talking to somebody at you know who was I was sitting next to, and I was just kind of telling them that I just always feel like we need these kind of games to show that you can still you know fight through adversity, which is a bad shooting night and whatever mm-hmm. else was going wrong but still come out with a win because I feel like when, when you get down to the tournament, those are the kind of things that become valuable. Now, I'm not, I'm not speaking as a, as a Hall of Fame coach, but that's just my opinion. And, but I would, you know, in, in this situation, I would just go with what, what, how he feels because he's a lot better coach than I am. <laughs> All right. I want to talk about some of the individual guys last night. And, uh, <laughs> Trey Holloman, again, did not have a turnover. He's amazing how few turnovers he has had for a guard this year. We didn't see much of Jackson Kohler, and again, Tom said what he says a lot. i got to get him more minutes, but he, he didn't last night. And, uh, you know, you got a guy there playing three and a half minutes. He's got to work himself back in. I get that. Uh, the centers, uh, it's funny. Michigan State had such a tremendous advantage on points in the paint. Uh, scored 44 points in the paint, but the centers combined only had 11. So that means they're driving to the basket a lot, which I always think is a good thing. You're going to get fouled. And even if you don't make the free throws, ideally you will make more than Michigan State made last night. But even if you don't make them, Jay, 
you're getting fouls on guys, and eventually Cameron Christie, uh, Max's brother, Cam fouled out, and they had other guys, multiple guys, with four fouls. So uh, it changes the way a team can play you if they have everybody in foul trouble. Well, I also think that it changes the way that the referees call a game when you are actually being aggressive as opposed yeah. to, yeah. you know, kind of shooting jump shots. So I think yeah. that, again, had, had we made 75% of our free throws, it would have been a whole yeah. different game. And I think that that's something that you have to look at because you're talking about, you know, yeah. pretty much free points as, right. as we look at them and, you know, which, which you've earned by by being aggressive and getting fouled. But, yeah. you know, again, I, I just think that it was one of those things where it's called, it's kind of like, you know, if you go to work and you're not feeling so well, but you know you got to get through the day at work because it's work. And I just kind of feel like that's that's kind of the thing with them is that we got the victory and we had to fight to get it, which I feel like is a good thing. And I, I know, like, as fans, we always want, you know, that we are, we have our expectations as far as, like, playing well, shooting well, and all those things, but it don't always happen like that. Malik Hall kept a minute until Tyson Walker could win it, and Malik, with 16 points, uh, was efficient, 12 rebounds, a couple of uh, recoveries, hustle plays, and 1,000 career points. They actually announced that uh, – the thousandth point was on that monster slam, and Tom alluded to that too. It was not. It was on a layup uh, adjacent to that. Uh, they corrected that after the game last night. But nonetheless, a thousand points in his career. Uh, what does that say about Malik Hall and sticking with it through adversity? Again, that says a lot for anybody that that sticks, to, especially nowadays, because a lot of times these kids yeah. when they face adversity, they try to find a way around it exactly. or just turn around and go the other way. So I think it says a lot that he has stuck through adversity. You know, there have been times I've always felt like he was kind of the best all-around player on our team because he could do so many things. And and I, I always felt like, you know, we should kind of get him going early because I feel like when he don't get going early, yeah. that's when he kind of like fades away. But the fact that he's been playing well, especially after – you know, not not having anything on the stat line and playing, I want to say, 25 minutes is huge. And I think that he, his confidence is only elevating. And that's that's going to be a great thing for us because whenever he is going, I feel like that's when we're at our best. Four of his last six games, Jay, Malik Hall has played well. But he had the one stinker, uh, zero points, zero rebounds, two turnovers, in a lot of minutes against Northwestern, and that's the game a lot of people are going to remember. And uh, they always seem to point to Malik Hall. Maybe it's maybe it's a strange tribute to him that they see potential that is not always realized. But uh, I agree with you. I think the stick to and hanging in there for four years says a lot about anybody in this day and age. Speaking of which, Tyson Walker, I was thinking back to uh, – I've been watching Michigan State – basketball games religiously and i've only missed a handful of home games since 1969 and i can't remember a player who scored more points in the last eight minutes of games than tyson walker uh so many times in his three seasons here uh he's been okay maybe he's been less than okay early 
And then when it comes to the end of the game, and he's won some games this way, sometimes they've come up just short. If he'd started the motor uh, one minute earlier, they would have won. But last night again, Rob, we were sitting there looking at it, and he had nine points, nine, with uh, more than three-quarters of the game gone. And then suddenly he said, okay, it's my time. Give me the ball. And uh, they could not stop him. Uh, ben Johnson, the Minnesota coach, said, you know, hey, we we did everything we could. We played him great until, until it was winning time. And then uh, he, he just took over the game. Uh, Tom was talking about this too, Jay. Uh, why can't Tyson play like that uh, as well as any guard in the country earlier? You know, that's a, I think that's a great question. And and I think that a lot of times what, I, what I've seen, I feel like he defers a lot. To, to yeah. I feel like when, when you are a person who knows that you can get your shot whenever you want it, I feel like yeah. sometimes you may defer to the other guys who, who don't have that luxury and to try to get them going. And I feel like that's what he does a lot. And then when, when the game is on the line, it just kind of kicks in to where, like, you have to do it. And I think that's what yeah. happens with him. Yeah, I would like to see the coaches say to him, we want you to shoot the ball ten times in the first half tonight or this afternoon. Uh, I know you may want to watch and analyze. We want you to be more aggressive out of the gate and see where that takes them. And I don't think it would put them in as many tie games with less than four minutes to go. All right. uh, Now, Michigan State is on the road uh, at Maryland Sunday. And, Jay, do you know how many games Michigan State has won out of the state of Michigan this year? Probably none. Correct. That is the correct answer. Of course, they had that incredible win over Baylor, but that was in Detroit. And uh, there are other road games and uh, neutral site games, Arizona. They did not win. They didn't beat Duke in uh, Indianapolis. And uh, they have four Big Ten losses, three of them on the road. So this is a chance for them to get a win outside the state of Michigan. Last thing for you, Jay, uh, and it was great to see you Wednesday night over at the women's game. Uh, your quick take on what you saw. Uh, Michigan State didn't play its best game, didn't shoot particularly well, still scored 91 points. Can you tell people who haven't been to MSU women's basketball what they would see? I likened it to watching UNLV. And I feel like, <laughs> and, and it was crazy because I didn't realize until, like, it seemed like almost the end of the game that they only had eight players because they started yeah, off the yeah. game. They started off the game pressing, and you could tell that they were very comfortable doing that. Yeah. But you know, with only eight players, you can only do that for so long. So I think they kind of did it to, to get going and and got got a lead and just kind of coasted from there. But no, our our women our women's team is is very exciting, and I feel like within the next two or three years. It's going to be a hard ticket to get. I really do because I think they play a, an exciting brand of basketball. They move the ball well. They space out well, and and, and they play together well. So I'm I'm very excited about the future of the women's basketball team. I think that the coach has done the coaching staff has done a wonderful job, and you know, and and this is only in the first year where you know I don't feel like she was able to really recruit, and you know had to use some transfers. So I feel like once she's able to really, you know, dig her heels in and play the way she want to play, I feel like we'll be pressing for 40 minutes, 
and and it'll be a, a very exciting brand of basketball, which it already is. But I just think it'll be more exciting once we have a full roster. Jonathan Smith met, met with the roster, uh, met about the roster yesterday with the media, I should say, and talked about all the portal additions and his coaching staff and then spoke at the high school coaches clinic here in Lansing last night, but has completed his staff, all 10 assistants hired, including a retention of Courtney Hawkins and the return of Demetrius Martin. Jay, this guy coached with six different schools in the Pac-12. Coached with half of the schools there. Uh, Arizona, Colorado, USC, UCLA, Washington, and Oregon. And people here remember Meat, as he was known, uh, as a receiver and then an all-conference cornerback. For those who don't know Meat, what can you tell fans about what he brings back to East Lansing? I think that you will see... A, a, a tremendous difference in the secondary and, I, and how that's played. That's that's something that he hangs his hat on, and, and I think it's shown by you know the, the the number of guys that he's sent to the next level, and and also you know I I know some people that coach in the NFL, and, and he has a great reputation because they say that his guys are always ready. They they're ready to play once they get there, and there's, there's not much that you have to do with them. So I think that definitely you'll see a different. A different secondary. I think our secondary will will have a different kind of swagger to it because of him. Because that's again, that's something he's big on, and and I'm I'm just excited to have him back because we've been wanting to see him back for a long time because he's been yeah. doing such great things in other places. So it's just I'm just happy to have him back home. Jay Green, proud Flintstone, former MSU receiver, and uh, Mr. Green Glasses, Mr. SD4L. Jay, we'll see you very soon. Have a great weekend. You do the same. I want to thank all of our guests, Rob. This was a fun week. Ryan Field, he is a sports director, WABC in New York, the largest affiliate in the country, and a diehard Spartan, but also uh, he's all about Detroit and talking about coming back from New York to see that game as a fan last weekend and uh, where the Lions are headed and Maybe where the Pistons ought to try to be headed. Dave Burkett just named a Michigan Sports Writer of the Year for the fourth time, covering the Detroit Lions for the Free Press. Uh, appreciate all of his wisdom and ranking of uh, still active quarterbacks. Our hockey segment with Rob Woodward. He is a former MSU player, coach, broadcaster now, and we'll see him over at Munn. Jim Slater, star of the Cold War game, and Jay Green. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you Sunday night on Press Pass. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, 
Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 